You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, uh, we are 365 days after the Bears-Packers game. So we're going to be looking a little bit at the the Packers-Bears game from last year, but more than that, um, it's kind of cool because it's the game day breakdown, so it's going to be looking at other teams as well, kind of talking about where they're at and the implications of that. So again, kind of interesting. If you're new here, this is, if you haven't caught on, 365 days ago. It's a repeat episode, and it's more just for historical context and something kind of fun to kind of reminisce, especially considering where we're at right now, having just clinched the uh, a playoff berth after just beating the Chicago Bears and now looking at one year ago, Um, the day we were about to play the Chicago Bears. So uh, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll get after it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, let's 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 dive in. First of all, as much as I said Sundays are for being a fan, not an analyst, I am even more a fan today than ever before because a um, friend of the podcast, Mr. Jeremy, decided he's going to take off to Vegas and make a very irresponsible decision and put a bunch of money down on the Packers winning the Super Bowl. And I, listen, I told him not to do it. I told him not to. Because it's not the right thing to do with your money, and I don't condone it. But I also told him if he does it and wins, he has to give me something. So, I mean, hey, if he's going to put the money down, I, I don't want him to lose the money. It's just for him. I, I'm not being selfish. I would just feel really bad if he lost a bunch of money. But he said he's going to buy me stuff. So, really hope we win the Super Bowl now. Jeremy, you got to hit me up, by the way, too, because I just went and looked at... Uh, says there are 1,000 to 1 odds. You're telling me that it's 300 to 1. Either way, he said he's putting 500 bucks down. That's a lot of money. I'll be honest, man. I'm content with my broken headset and my free software. Maybe just help me out with with like a a car or something. Anyways, let's get talking about uh, this question. (laughs) I don't need expensive cars, man. I'm just just a little cheapy guy. 
So we got two questions here from Mr. Kyle. I want to start with the second question because it kind of got me thinking a little bit. Here's the question. Let's just say a miracle happens and we get to the NFC Championship or Super Bowl. Are we the worst team right now to ever do it? Go Pack Go. So my first thought is, dude, I don't know. Don't ask me history questions because I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. But then I figure, you know what? There hasn't been that many Super Bowls. Maybe I'll just look into it and then I realize I don't have much time. So you know what I did? I cheated and I just Googled it and I let somebody else make a list for me. Now, according to this list, which probably isn't true, but they picked the 2011 New York Giants Super Bowl champions. I'm sure there are some of you who are historians who are rolling your eyes saying, no, this would have been a lot crazier. Obviously, this is more ridiculous than the 2010 Packers, but let's just roll with that. Let's say the 2011 New York Giants were the worst team to ever get in, and win for that matter. All right, so... (laughs) Uh, the, the short answer is yes and by a lot. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. You can, you know, the question is better or worse team. There's different ways to gauge that, right? You, you look at the quality of the players. You could say, oh, how can you even compare Aaron Rodgers to Eli Manning? However you want to do it is fine. But I'm looking at the quality of the team and what they were able to do in the regular season and what it took to get in. Here's, here's, kind, of the, uh, <laughs> here's, here's kind of the biggest selling point for me. The Giants essentially followed the exact same path the 2011 Packers did. They were on a massive losing streak. They got to the point where they basically had to win out, and they did win out, and then they also went on a winning streak through the, uh, through the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. Here's the biggest difference. They started their losing streak against the San Francisco 49ers on November 13th in Week 10. They went into that game at 6-2. and 6-2 and two before they started their losing streak. The Packers don't have six wins yet. We, we don't have a sixth yet. It's week, f- what, 14, 15? What is it? Let me look. It is week 15. We have five wins. It's really, really not even close. And I, I think the biggest difference, well, that's a pretty big one. But you look at the Giants, they dominated the beginning of the year. Again, they were 6-2. and two. Then they went on a four-game losing streak, which whoop-de-doo, it happens. The Packers, for crying out loud, have not gone on a winning streak all year. They don't. They have not won back-to-back games ever this year. Win-tie-loss, win-loss, win-loss-loss, win-loss-loss-loss-win. We haven't won a single game back-to-back. So yeah, we haven't had a four-game losing streak, but we had a three-game streak, a one-game streak, and a loss between every win. But I don't know that the 2010 New York Giants or 2011, I guess, Giants were that bad. They lost to the 49ers, the Eagles, the Saints, and the Packers. Then they came back week 14 and beat the Cowboys. Week 15, they they uh, lost to the Redskins. So kind of a similar trajectory here, just with a massively different record. So we lost three, the Giants lost four. We both won week 14, and then they lost week 15, which is this week. Now, we can't do that and win out, but, you know, it would be relatively similar if we win out the rest of the season. They ended with a 9-7 and record. We would end the season with an 8-7-1 and record. Basically, 8.5 and, a half and uh, 7.5 and a half would be our record. So slightly better than 8-8. Eight and eight. Let's also not forget, this is a team that fired their head coach. So if, if, let me just say this. If you can find a team that um, <laughs> has barely had a winning record all year, pretty much since week one, I mean, we tied the Vikings, so that's technically a winning record. And then we were 2-1-1 one, and one against the uh, after we beat the Bills, so that was kind of a winning record. 
After the 49ers, we barely eked out a winning record. But that was it. After that, after our bye, no winning record. You find a team that cannot contain a winning record, that fired their head coach, that's not even going to get to nine wins, can't get to nine wins, has to win out just to get to eight wins and hope that everybody else is terrible enough to just let us in because the rest of the NFC is so trash. And then we get in... And then we beat everybody, including the not-trash teams that actually won their divisions handily, like the Saints and the Rams and the Bears and etc., etc., go on to beat all those teams and win a Super Bowl. I would be shocked if anybody could find a worse team to win a Super Bowl. So yes, I think, definitively, this would be the worst team in the history of the NFL to win a Super Bowl. Which, I'll be honest, kind of makes me want to win a Super Bowl. Because how many how many times have we been through this? And it's not just the Super Bowl, but like, you know, like I said, after 2010, I said I'm never counting them out until they're out. And then I did it again, that whole run the table thing. I said, I know I never said I'd count them out, but let's face it, it's time to count them out. And they ended up getting into the playoffs. And now I'm doing it again. Listen, I know, technically not out, but let's face it, we're out. I mean, I shouldn't be doing it. If I knew what I was doing, if I was smart enough, if I was a smarter person, I wouldn't be counting them out right now, but I'm kind of sort of doing it. And by the way, the year we won the Super Bowl, it wasn't just win out. Win out wasn't enough. We had to win out, which we did, and get help, which we did. I don't know if it was as much help, where you need good teams to lose like, you know, two out of their next three or whatever. Or if we're talking about the Seahawks, lose all three of their games, which they absolutely will not. But it's very interesting, and it kind of makes, you know, makes me a little bit more interested. And listen, it's, it's similar to what I said before, and, and, you know, I know there's certain people that don't like to hear me say we should not be winning or whatever because fans just don't like that stuff. But as I also said, winning the Super Bowl is what this is all about. There's no guarantee, even if we tank the season and get Nick Bosa, which isn't going to happen, but let's just pretend, there's no guarantee, even with Nick Bosa in a good draft, we're ever going to win a Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers. There's no guarantees of that. You've got to take it when you, can, when you can take it, and that's the bottom line. It's a fleeting thing. Winning the Super Bowl is a near impossibility, and the Patriots have been lying to us by making it look easy. It's not. It almost never happens for a team. Some teams have never had it in the history of them being a team. If you've got an opportunity to get it and immortalize your name as Super Bowl champions for this year, do it. Who cares? Who cares what your record was? Who cares about anything? None of that matters. What matters is winning the Super Bowl. It's what everybody's after. Nobody cares if you were the most dominant team this year but didn't win the Super Bowl. Nobody's going to remember you. 2010, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, everybody knows who the Super Bowl champions were. They probably know who they played in the um, in the Super Bowl, the Steelers. But who was the best team that year? Who had the best record? Who was the most dominant football team? I don't know. Who cares? Maybe it was, what was it, the Falcons maybe? Patriots were always in there, even though they lost to the Steelers. But it wasn't the Packers, that's for sure. I know the Falcons were dominant, especially at home. It could have been them. I don't know. And again, it doesn't matter. Nobody remembers. Nobody cares. If somebody today, let's say it was the Falcons, came out and said, you know the Falcons were the best team in 2010, everybody would laugh at them. 2010 is owned now and forever by the Green Bay Packers. If you have a chance to win it, with a trash football team, and just after firing your head coach, fine, then do it. Do it. Again, that was sort of my problem with Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson's always looking to next year. He's never looking at this year. Now, I don't think we can get it this year, but as long as we're not mathematically eliminated, you got to keep pushing. And that's what we're going to do today. 
And man, oh man, is it is it going to be an interesting game for a lot of reasons. There's so many things I want to know about this team that I don't understand that I was hoping I would learn a little bit last week, but I just you don't know. You just don't know. But we're going to learn a little bit more. Some of the players who've been very, very good all year, last week, not so much. I'm interested to see if they can step it up a little bit. What about Spriggs? He's going up against Khalil Mack, so it's very unlikely we're going to see anything positive. But if he can just even a little bit hold his own, it's very interesting. We need to know if we actually have, we might have a tackle. We might be able to move on from Brian Balaga with Jason Spriggs. And it, it could be a slight downgrade. But even so, we're not looking at eminent disaster like it used to be. He's shown relative promise over the last, I don't know, this last year. He's been less than, or more than, depending on how you want to look at it, terrible. That's kind of awesome. Anyways, we'll get into uh, that a little bit later. I want to get to, um, I want to get to Kyle's other question. Um, I've been trying to look, and, and I just got your question, Kyle, before I was about to hit record, so I did not have a massive amount of time. Fortunately, it's a weekend, or I wouldn't have even had any time to do it. But I'm, I'm going to keep digging because I think this is actually very, very important, and I think it's interesting, and some of the stuff I found is pretty interesting. But here's the question. It says, I've listened to a couple different podcasts, non-packer related. I've heard Fangio has had a couple head coaching interviews and absolutely tanked them. So I've definitely seen he's had interviews, and it, what I find is a discrepancy is his record and how good he is and how hesitant people are to, first of all, even give him an interview, and then how he's consistently getting passed up for other people. For example, Fangio has a great reputation even prior to this. I'm looking at an article right here. It says, from 2011 to 2014, his San Francisco 49ers defense were in the top five overall each season and also finished in the top five of most major categories. So in other words, he went to San Francisco. He made them an elite defense the entire time he was there. He comes to Chicago, and there have been a dominant defense now since he's been there. Here's the thing. After the 2014 season, he interviewed for the 49ers head coaching job that went to Jim Tom Sula. If you remember, that was a disaster. By the way, Jim Tom Sula was Fangio's defensive line coach. So he was under Fangio, and they gave it to Jim. Something doesn't add up. Something does not add up. Vic Fangio is unbelievable in his abilities. He interviewed for a job to be moved up and you can't even say, well, they, you know, because one of the things is, well, maybe part of the problem with Fangio is teams are typically looking at offensive-minded coaches. Well, that's true. But the Detroit Lions didn't. They weren't defensive head coach. They decided to go with Patricia. So beyond that, then you look at the Chicago Bears. He did interview for the Chicago Bears job. And I found multiple things, some saying he wasn't given an interview. Maybe after a while, so it's possible they declined him an interview and then later gave him one. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but... There was a time, definitely, where they did not give him an interview because there were Bears fans I was reading saying, why are they not interviewing this guy? I don't understand. Then they gave him an interview, and then they decided to go outside and get Matt Nagy. So I haven't necessarily seen or heard that. I want to keep digging, and if you find anything, please let me know. Hit me up wherever you can hit me up with articles or audio clips or whatever you can find to let me know. But I don't doubt it at this point. So then the question becomes, if he's terrible with interviews, do we want him? Because it seems like a minor thing, like, oh, he doesn't speak well or whatever, who cares? He's a good coach, we should bring him in. Players all seem to like him and respect him, what does it matter? However, let me just remind you of something. There was another person who was very accomplished, actually was in Green Bay, had a very good reputation, and was essentially the right-hand man of our head coach for, what, what did I say it was, 12 years, something crazy? Who had interviewed for head coaching jobs and continually got shot down. That man's name is Winston Moss, which, by the way, 
I just see he... <laughs> There's another video of him on Undisputed. This has probably happened quite a while ago. I missed it. I gotta watch it. And I just, right out of the gate, I just watched 24 seconds of it so far. The first thing he does is complain about the introduction. The second thing he does is cut everybody off, which is what he's known for now, is just saying, no, 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 wait, 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 I, I have to do this. Then he complained about being basically um, censored, I guess. He's saying, you know, the pre-show, they didn't let me do it, and this person didn't let me do it, Skip didn't let me do it, so I'm going to do it anyways. And he thanks his wife. 24 seconds in, that's that's what I got so far. Complaining, interrupting. <sighs> anyways, the... If it wasn't for the Winston Moss thing, I would say, I don't care if he interviews well. I don't care if he's a people person. I care about results. But knowing what we know this year about the importance of relationships, of having a good locker room, of, of you know, especially a relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the head coach, and then add in understanding kind of what that looks like when a football guy who's, I'm sure, again, Winston, I'm sure, is a very, very intelligent guy. But you talk to him. Can you imagine him? Are you you think he was different in interviews? I guarantee you he wasn't. I guarantee you he was interrupting people. He was he was sticking his hand up in, in general managers' faces and owners' faces and go, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. No, no, I got to I gotta say this. I got to say this. I got to say this. I love my wife. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Shush, shut, shut it, shut, shut, shush. Don't talk to me right now. I love my wife. Okay, okay, I have to say this. I have to say this right now. You be quiet. Shush. <laughs> that's, that's every interview he's ever done. That's it. It's like, first of all, rude. Second of all, spit it out. We got to get moving here. We got stuff to accomplish today. So I, I don't know, but again, I'm, I'm very interested because it is a pretty important thing. This is a guy that I think should have been a head coach by now just based on his reputation. And if nothing else, at this point, if he's not a head coach by next year, something's wrong, and I'm not going to be happy because regardless of what's wrong, he's fitting in with the Bears, and he's making them just dominant, and they're going to be dominant as long as he's there. So he needs to, um, I don't know, go talk to somebody. He has a lot of money. Go talk to somebody that can train you how to be better with interview. I mean, this is this is basic stuff, man. Do you know how hard I worked to be really good at interviews to get a job that paid me, jeez, I don't know, what, what was I making back in the day? I remember when nine bucks an hour was a big deal. I was as charming as could possibly be. Granted, nine bucks an hour cash is pretty awesome, especially when you're living at home and have no bills. At the end of the week, they're just slapping $100 bills in your hand saying, all right, on your way. It's like, yes, sir. I could have made a rap video, man, because I didn't spend my money on anything. I just had wads of $100 bills in my dresser drawer. I should have. I don't know how to rap, but it doesn't matter. Just videotape myself throwing $100 bills around. Anyways... I do think that's a pretty interesting question, and I genuinely hope whatever issues there may be get resolved very quickly because this is a guy that's very, very talented, and again, if we're not going to hire him, I need him out of the NFC North. End of story. I don't think the Vikings are going to hire him because they already have a defensive head coach, and I don't think he's just going to make a lateral move to... They, they don't need to. They have a defensive guy. They, they're fine. The Lions... Eh. I mean, again, he's not going to make a lateral move, and they're not going to replace one defensive head coach with another defensive head coach, so they're not going to take him. Packers might. But again, if not, go to the Jets or something. Please go away. Forever. 
I gotta watch a few more minutes of this Winston thing. Just, just uh, give me a break here. Give me, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Oh no! I can't do it, man. I can't get. Through. I made it to a minute. One minute and one second. He started doing laser sounds. He literally. Hold on. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get a clip of it. You just sit there. Full joke. It was. I was. I. I. I, I felt like taking shots and so. Yeah, you're taking shots, all right. I. I Oh, I don't think I can do it. Have you ever seen Scott's Tots? The uh, episode of The Office where he promised college tuition for a bunch of kids and then they all ended up graduating and he doesn't have any money. And he gave them, gave them laptop batteries. I frequently skip that episode when I get there because I just run through the episodes over and over again. I just skip it because I can't do it because it's too much. I know they're just acting and it's all pretend. Still can't handle it. This is worse than that. Why is he making laser sounds? Stop. Whoa. You got to go watch it, man. Watch it and tell me what happens because I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I lied. I just watched the rest. It actually isn't that bad. Once you get past the uh, the laser noises, it's not that bad. Maybe just start it at like a minute, 10 seconds. You'll be all right. But to, to bring it back, though, these things do matter. And I think the, the Packers organization has to take it extremely seriously. Because, I mean, this is a big time decision. I mean, you look at, for example, what did I say yesterday or the day before about, you know, those questions about, well, should the Detroit Lions fire Matt Patricia? And despite how bad things were, even if he was the problem, you kind of have to look at it and say, no, because it's one year. So if we hire a guy like Vic Fangio and it's an absolute disaster, are we going to be quick to fire him? Probably not. He's going to get at least two years. And that's two years of Aaron Rodgers' remaining few years. We don't, we don't, we're not going to get a lot of chances of getting this right. This is an unbelievably big decision. Uh, get, I think getting the right GM was was maybe the biggest decision. I think getting the next head coach is going to be another massive decision. And then, and then um, Brian Gutekunst finding his quarterback of the future, like all other GMs have done for Green Bay, is going to be uh, another really big one. But those are those are the pieces: the the quarterback, the GM, and the head coach. And we we have one of those pieces. And I'm I'm so far confident. We'll see. I think my um, jubilation over our last draft has dwindled a little bit you look at Josh Jackson and his struggles you look at Oren Burks being one of the worst linebackers in the NFL you look at Jamon Moore can't even get on the field you look at MVS kind of flamed out you look at St. Brown kind of flamed out you I mean it's it's pretty much just Jair and our punter and that's basically it even Hunter Bradley is is I mean, things seem to be a little bit better now, but I don't think the snaps are still perfect. I think a lot of the times you look at Mason Crosby, everyone's like, we should get rid of him. If you look at some of the misses he's had, those snaps aren't exactly perfect. I think Hunter Bradley is, you know, I mean, I, I know he's a seventh-round guy, but it's different when we're talking long snapper. Seventh round for punter, long snapper, et cetera, et cetera, is basically I want to get a jump on these priority free agents. And Hunter is as good as it gets. We've got three seventh-round picks. Let's just go get Hunter now. Otherwise, we have to compete, and we might lose them. We probably will. I mean, we got a 1-in-32 chance. I shouldn't say that. Not everybody wants them, but, you know, whatever. In my mind, that's what 7th round is. That might even be a little bit what 6th round is, I guess. 7th round is just getting a jump on the free agents. So so who were the big hits? I mean, we got to see. There's there's time to develop. we got to give them at least three years is kind of the going standard. We've seen guys like Fackrell. We've seen guys like Devontae. We've seen guys like... Uh, possibly Jason Spriggs, who have developed over the course of time. We'll see what happens. Josh Jackson's a talented guy, and he was considered kind of a project, especially considering, 
you know, he, he did one thing very well, and he didn't play very much. He was very, very, very raw in college. We took him out early, and then we take what he does, which is basically playing zone very well. We tell him you're going to play press man, and not only that, we're going to put you in the slot. We're going to put you at linebacker. We're going to put you everywhere else. You're going to play press man on the boundary. It's a lot. It's a lot to expect him to really step up. We, we've seen the flashes. We've seen his ability. Um, that That's another big part of why we need somebody that's a head coach to come in to not just be a game manager and a strategery type guy. We need someone to be able to come in and try to develop players. And that that's not just the head coach. That's not just the defensive coordinator. That's the position guys as well. So if we're going to clean house, let's clean house. But let's make sure that who we have, you know, isn't just somebody that's able to do the work and kind of grind. We need people that can develop players. Oren Burks has talent, just like Josh Jones. Josh Jones has a lot of talent. And we're just not seeing any development out of Josh Jones. Maybe a slight uptick. But that that's a guy who has the ability to be something pretty special. And we're just not getting it. Oren Burks has the ability to be something special. We need to see it. You know, it's, it's one thing to draft somebody who can come in and is, is, is NFL ready like Jair. But what if they're not NFL ready? Can we get them up to speed? How many people have we able been able to do that with? I mean, I listed a couple. Pretty much Devontae is, is basically it. And we'll see, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say Fackrell. We'll see how that goes. Basically, he's just had two really good games. I mean, he's improved, there's no question, but I, I just he's not Devontae. It can't just be all on the GM to go out and get guys that can produce on day one. We need to have coaches that can coach, that can develop you into an NFL starter. I think the, the linebackers have done a good job with Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez. They weren't great when they started, and you see the development which gives me hope for Oren Burks, unless, of course, it was Winston Moss that was doing the development, then we're kind of out of luck there. But that's what I'm talking about. We don't see that everywhere. I think the offensive line does pretty well. Not right now, but I mean, we're trying to get free agents and, and guys that are over the hill and not very good to, to be something special. But you look at like David Bakhtiari and Josh Sitton and guys like that that are able to step up. You look at the fact that you had pretty much 31 other teams studying the Green Bay Packers and how they pass blocked, basically saying they're getting away with cheating, but we got to learn how they're doing that. I mean, they, they went outside the box and developed basically a new style of pass blocking where instead of getting your hands inside somebody's chest, they actually grab your shoulder pads. Nobody's doing that. That's considered bad form, but they did it and they perfected it and they were the best pass blocking group in the NFL. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of stuff. Elevating our players. Making them better than they are. That's what we need. We need that overall from a head coach. We need that from our coordinators. We need that from our position coaches. You know, I... Anyways, we're going to move off that. It is a very good question, though, and again, if you, if you have some information about Fangio and his inability to interview properly, I'd love to hear about it. Otherwise, let's quickly talk about um, today and what we're looking for. You know, as I'm looking at this, the Green Bay Packers have not beat a single team that we weren't supposed to beat. That includes week one against Chicago. Now, you can look at that retrospectively and say, well, the Bears are better, which, by the way, if I may... If you've been listening for a while, I know some of you are relatively new, but for those of you that have been listening for a while, do you remember me prior to the season saying the Chicago Bears may not be that easy of a win? Because that was supposed to be a lock. The Bears are a joke. We're going to just wipe the floor with them. And I told you that that might be a really tough thing. If you look at the Chicago Bears, you look at their offense and the improvements that they made with Matt Nagy. You look at the defense and how it's gotten better every single week. I mean, this is the potential to be a really, really good football team. I don't think we should just count them out. Now, we did win, but I just want to point out that I told you so. (laughs) 
I actually forgot that I had said that because I forgot that the Bears were not supposed to be good this year and Packers fans all over were saying, oh, we're just going to wipe the floor with them. It's going to be a piece of cake. And I was the one that said prior to the season, Bears might be actually really good this year. So anyways, if you look at it, we beat the Bears. We were supposed to beat the Bears. We beat the Buffalo Bills. Of course we were supposed to beat the Buffalo Bills. We beat the 49ers, who were a joke. We beat the Miami Dolphins. We were absolutely supposed to win that game. We beat the Atlanta Falcons. We were supposed to win that game. Now, you could maybe say we weren't really supposed to win it after we lost to the Cardinals, if, if we want to like zoom in real close, because it's kind of 50-50. If you lose to the Cardinals, you're not supposed to beat the Falcons. But that's a game that the Packers are supposed to win. Here's a couple other games we were supposed to win. The Washington Redskins, we lost. Detroit Lions, we lost. Um, mm, Arizona Cardinals, we lost. There's also every game that we were supposed to lose, like the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Rams. Every game we're supposed to lose, we lost. The only game that was sort of breaking that mold would be a tie against the Minnesota Vikings. Also, as I'm sure everybody knows... We've lost every single game on the road. The Washington Redskins, Detroit Lions, L.A. Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Vikings. We lost every game on the road so far this year. This game is against a team that we're not supposed to beat. We have not beat any teams that we're supposed to beat. This game is on the road. We have not won any games on the road. Now, leaving aside the fact that the Packers are uniquely good against the Bears and it's just one of those weird divisional things, if we win this game there needs to be a conversation because something's different regardless regardless of of you know how people grade out on pro football focus or whatever the situation is this is a game we are absolutely not supposed to win and based on the history of what we've seen this season we are not going to win this game as a matter of fact i don't know if we're supposed to beat the jets or the lions for that matter lions are at home but we also lost to the lions already i'm not sure if that's exactly a game you know it's kind of a toss-up basically over the teams we're supposed to beat Supposed to beat the Bears, the Redskins, the Bills, the Lions, and the 49ers. Pretty much the Vikings were the only team we're supposed to uh, to lose against, maybe. We ended up winning only three of them. We lost two and tied one. So it's pretty much a toss-up. If we're supposed to win, it's 50-50. If we're supposed to lose, we lose. If it's on the road, we lose. So again, regardless of the stats, regardless of anything else, if we beat the Chicago Bears today... I... I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to talk about it Monday. But it, it definitely means it's not nothing. It's not just a yay, let's celebrate moment. It's not just yay. I mean, it, beyond the playoff implications, beyond everything else, beyond even the draft and how that... Something... There's something here to talk about. Because there's nothing. I have absolutely nothing. Yesterday we talked about it. I have no idea how we beat this team. I've never not had a game plan. I have no game plan. I don't know how we beat this team. We can't run. We can't throw. We can't do anything. Maybe we can stop their offense in which, you know, maybe we win a 3 to nothing game if our defense plays out of control and their offense plays the worst game of the year. There's no indication whatsoever that we should win this game. The only th- reason we should is because we beat them once already, and that was week one, which is when NFL teams are basically playing in the uh, in their preseason games, and it was, you know a one-point victory. So no, I I don't think very much of it at all. But I really think it's going to come down to whether or not, and this is what I've been saying for a while, we got to keep an eye on because we're basically out of it. Who's going to rise up? In other words, you've got a bunch of different kinds of fans, but you also have different kinds of players. You have some players who look at this and say, this is a garbage season, I'm embarrassed, and I don't care anymore, and they're not going to put out maximum effort. You've got other guys 
who are just kind of consistent, right? We'll call him the Kenny Clarks, although I don't know exactly what camp, camp he's in, but he's just a guy that's very quiet and just does his job because it's his job, right? Blue-collar players. They're, you're looking at guys that are consistent. Then you've got a third category of guys who are going to rise up, who are going to be better in these kinds of situations than other kinds of situations because when the chips are down, they really rise up, and I'm excited to find out who these players are. And that's what I want to see. I want to watch and see which names I recognize and which ones I don't. You know, if, if guys are getting sacks on David Bakhtiari, I'm pretty skeptical about what's going on with David Bakhtiari. If, on the other hand, Spriggs is able to handle Khalil Mack, not saying eliminate because that's just basically impossible, but if he's doing a good job, that's important. If Oren Burks suddenly flashes in this game, like where did he come from? That's important. So I know most fans are just interested in watching this game and, and just rooting for a team and wanting to win and wanting to beat the Bears, and I'm probably going to get swept up in that too, but try to keep an eye on, right, we, 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 we know this team pretty well. Everybody listening to this podcast knows this team very well. Look for anomalies. Like, where did that guy come from? Or where is this person? Why isn't this person even playing? You know, whatever. This is the kind of, of evaluation where th- people change. And we want to find out if people are changing for the good or for the worse. And, and again, part of the reason that it's important is you look at guys like Haha Clinton Dix, that's a guy who just flipped the switch off and he wasn't able to turn it back on. It's also important for evaluations. We're looking at who to bring back next year. It's kind of important to remember these kinds of things. Or even maybe if it's not next year in two years. right? These are the kinds of things that matter, and, and the GM is always watching, and we need to be watching too. Who are the guys that are going to rise up? And if we win, it's because that this team went above and beyond, because this team should not win this game. Plain and simple. Can win the game? Of course. Of course we can win this game. But we're not supposed to, and we can't just look at it as, ha-ha, we're better, you stink, because that's not the reality. The Bears are a better football team. If we win, it's because the guys wearing the green and gold decided to just go absolutely crazy and play above their capacity. And as I said yesterday as well, it's beyond, um, you know, you're looking at sort of the secondary guys a lot. It's not going to be just all on Jair turning this thing around. It's going to be on, you know, the Tony Browns that are going to be able to step up because that's who's going to get picked on. It's going to be these linebackers, Morrison, see if he can step up and win himself a job next year or if he's going to be walking away. And the offense is going to be guys like Equinemius and Randall Cobb and, and uh, Marquez. You know, can Aaron Jones rise above? It's not an easy team to run against, but if we lean on you, can you give us one of those games? It's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen, I mean, the, the stats are fine, but sort of that every time you touch it, you get 10 yards thing hasn't been happening for a while. Can you have a big game, or is this going to be just you get bottled up all day? Because the fact of the matter is Aaron Jones and his ability, even when he has good games, it's not because he just has gaping holes to run through he just makes magic happen very decisive very very quick very intelligent explosive just sees the hole and shoots through it and it it's almost like a magic trick i'm pretty sure there wasn't a hole there by the time you got there but somehow you still got through it full speed no slowing down we're gonna need superhuman effort from the packers and i don't know the mentality of this team right now we beat the falcons so you kind of look at it and go well maybe they're kind of rising to the occasion here but then you look at the grades on Pro Football Focus, and it was one of the worst games of the year as far as, you know, guys stepping up and doing well. So you kind of look at it and say, well, maybe the Falcons just really played like garbage to that extent. This is still the team that lost to the Cardinals. Let's not forget that. We lost to the Vikings. We lost to the Seahawks. The tough games we've played, the, the Patriots, the Rams, the, the, you know, the Vikings before that, we lost those games. 
The fact of the matter is the Packers are not better than this team. And this is this is kind of what we've relied on for so long, and it's why Mike McCarthy was, you know, his whole thing was just do your job. Why? Because, well, it's easy when you're better than everybody. Like when your offense is just dominant and your quarterback is better than everybody, your wide receivers are better than their corners, you can just call a play and just expect everyone to beat it. Right? Even if Jordy can't get open, fine. It's going to be a perfect throw from Aaron Rodgers and a perfect back shoulder toe-tapping catch from Jordy Nelson. Yeah, it's easy to be a head coach. It's easy to be a winning team when you can do that kind of stuff. But what about now? What do you do now when you don't have that ability? What do you do now when you're the second best team on the field? Are you able to rise above and win? Or are you going to pack it in? I don't know. I'm interested. And I look forward to finding those things out. And I look forward to evaluating it because that's kind of where I'm at right now. I want to evaluate. Now, if we win, there's a good chance that you know we make a run. So it goes a little bit beyond evaluation. We start talking about potential playoff implications. But at this point, I'm, I'm purely looking at evaluation, and I'm very excited to see which guys are going to play and which guys aren't because it's a tough, ta- t- tough task. It's a tough challenge. And I'm especially interested in the defense, to be completely honest. As much as I would love to see the offense rise up and take this defense out, I think this is an opportunity for the defense to really rise up because this offense is pretty terrible. This is a great opportunity. You want to get picks? You want to get sacks? You want to pat your stats? You Pat your stats? Pad your stats? Goodness gracious. You, you know, you want to make a name for yourself and stand out on this team. This is a great opportunity to do it, and I'm excited to see if they can do it. So anyways, before we uh, sign out of here, uh, for those looking at playoff implications, I just want to remind you very quickly other games that we're uh, very interested in. As far as noon games, we want Washington to lose to Jacksonville. Somewhat of a tall order, but not really because, I don't know, both teams want to lose. But that's a noon game that we need to keep an eye on. Jacksonville wins. That's awesome. Basically, it means if we win out, Washington's no threat to us anymore. Another really big noon game is Minnesota against Miami. I would assume Minnesota's going to win. We need Minnesota to lose a couple. They need to lose two of their next three, and it's not very likely. So we need some kind of a Miami miracle to happen once again. Because it's just a tall order, man. I mean, we, we can assume the Bears beat them on the last one, maybe, if they're not sitting their players. We'll see. But um, I'm, I'm not willing to take chances here. We need Miami to win. Otherwise, on Sunday night, we have the Philadelphia Eagles against the Rams. This one should definitely go in our favor. I would assume the Rams don't seem to really, I don't know, they don't always pull it together. But Philadelphia Eagles lose, and we're in a similar situation where if we win out, they're no longer a threat to us. So this one should fall in our favor. So at the very least, there's a good chance Washington loses, very good chance Philadelphia loses. We're really just honed in on this Minnesota game. Otherwise, Monday, Carolina, we need to lose. Carolina should be a done deal. They're on like a five-game losing streak. they got to play the New Orleans Saints twice. This is one of them. Very, very unlikely the Carolina Panthers pose any threat to us. Uh, I don't think Washington's going to pose much of a threat, even though Jacksonville's garbage. Washington's terrible. The odds of them winning their next three very unlikely. So to be completely honest, I think Minnesota's really our only obstacle here. If we win out, Minnesota's our one obstacle. And it's a pretty big obstacle. After this week, the Vikings play the Lions. The Vikings should definitely win that game. And then the Vikings play the Bears, which again, not only do we have to be potentially concerned about the Bears sitting some players, but it's in Minnesota. So they could go 3-0, and much less losing two. So that's going to be the tough one. Is, is watching the Minnesota Vikings lose two. There's always there's also the outside shot of the Seattle Seahawks losing three. That would be another way in. That would allow it to be us and the Vikings getting into the playoffs. Unfortunately, Seattle plays San Francisco. <laughs> so, not a ton of luck there. 
Uh, they also play the Arizona Cardinals. So two of the worst teams in the NFL going up against Seattle. We can probably just rule that completely out. So really, it just comes down to the Vikings. We need to win out. We need the Vikings to lose too. If that happens, we're pretty much in. That's that's just kind of the way I see it. So keep a very, very close eye on that Vikings game. If if, if we beat Chicago and they lose to Miami, I'm, I'm suddenly feeling very, very good about our chances. And then uh, we just have to be gigantic Bears fans in uh, Week 17 when they go to Minneapolis, unless they end up losing next week as well, which would be hilarious. But anyways, that's pretty much what we're watching. Watch the Vikings. Uh, otherwise, Bears-Packers um, today, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. You folks, enjoy your day. Have a good one. Eat plentifully. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>